I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Nehemiah chapters 5 through 7. This is the new King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. The rebuilding project in Jerusalem has Messianic implications based upon Daniel chapter 9 verses 24 through 27. If you'd like a fuller explanation to these implications, then look at the first reading on Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapters 1 through 4. We see that Satan stirs up Jews against each other in Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 13, verse 1. And there was a great outcry of the people and their wives against their Jewish brethren. For there were those who said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore, let us get grain that we may eat and live. There were also some who said, We have mortgaged our lands and vineyards and houses that we might buy grain because of the famine. There were also those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children, and indeed we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves, and some of our daughters have been brought into slavery. It is not in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and vineyards. And I became very angry when I heard their outcry in these words. After serious thought, I rebuked the nobles and rulers and said to them, Each of you is exacting usury from his brother. So I called a great assembly against them, and I said to them, According to our ability, we have redeemed our Jewish brethren who were sold to the nations. Now indeed, will you even sell your brethren, or should they be sold to us? Then they were silenced and found nothing to say. Then I said, What you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the nations, our enemies? I also, with my brethren and my servants, am lending them money and grain. Please let us stop this usury. Restore now to them, even this day, their lands, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their houses, also a hundredth of the money and the grain, the new wine and the oil that you have charged them. So they said, We will restore it, and will require nothing from them. We will do as you say. Then I called the priest and required an oath from them that they would do according to this promise. Then I shook out the fold of my garment and said, So may God shake out each man from his house and from his property who does not perform this promise. Even thus may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen, and praised the Lord. Then the people did according to this promise. As a fellow pastor frequently says, it's not the money, it's the money. What else does Satan have in his bag of tricks to stop the work on the wall? Well, how about bickering within over money? Some of the Jews begin poor-mouthing against their Jewish brethren about how tough the times are because of their wall-building effort. Attack from outsiders is one thing, but what about when your own relatives are giving you fits about your service to God? It was really a struggle between the rich and the poor among the Jews. It appears that the financially challenged Jews were losing their money and property and kids to more financially astute Jews. There was also an issue of interest being paid to fellow Jews, a violation, by the way, of Mosaic law, not to mention the cost of taxes paid back to the Persians. 
Well, the bottom line is it was about the money. An internal struggle within the community of God's people, Satan loves that. As we see here, it's one of his tried and proven techniques. The solution? Recognition of priorities. Just that simple. When we recognize the wiles or the methods of the devil, according to Ephesians 6.11, Satan has a tougher road to hoe. This dissension particularly disturbs Nehemiah. He was the governor at the time. He blew his top, so to speak, in verse 6. When Nehemiah recognizes this problem, I like the way verse 7 is worded regarding his reaction. He says, after serious thought, when the smoke had cleared, that old tried and proven tactic of turning God's people on each other had failed. Nehemiah, as their governor, had motivated the people right through and past this period of selfishness. They all make some financial concessions so that the work of God can continue. Then we see in chapter 5, verses 14 through 19, that Nehemiah makes some personal sacrifices. Verse 14, Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor the land of Judah, from the twentieth year until the thirty-second year of King Artaxerxes, twelve years, neither I nor my brothers ate the governor's provisions. But the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine, besides forty shekels of silver. Yes, even their servants bore rule over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. Indeed, I also continued the work on this wall, and we did not buy any land. All my servants were gathered there for the work. And at my table were one hundred and fifty Jews and rulers, besides those who came to us from the nations around us. Now that which was prepared daily was one ox and six choice sheep. Also fowl were prepared for me, and once every ten days an abundance of all kinds of wine. Yet in spite of this I did not demand the governor's provisions, because the bondage was heavy on this people. Remember me, my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. In these last six verses, Nehemiah reveals a little more about his passion for the wall-building project. He made his own significant financial sacrifices as governor over these Jews. He didn't take his governor's wages from them and even put his own servants to work on the wall. Moreover, he personally fed many of the workers from his own table during this time. He concludes his explanation in verse 19 by saying, Remember me, my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. Then we have a conspiracy against the reputation of godly leadership in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall, that there were no breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors and the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm, so I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message four times, and I answered them in the same manner. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me as before the fifth time with an open letter in his hand, and it was written. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king, so come therefore and let us consult together. Then I sent to him, saying, No such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. 
For they all were trying to make us afraid, saying, Their hands will be weakened in the work, and it will not be done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Afterward I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deleah, the son of Mehetabel, who was a secret informer, and he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night they will come to kill you. And I said, Should such a man as I flee? And who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me, because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this reason he was hired, that I should be afraid and act that way, and sin, so that they might have cause for an evil report, that they might reproach me. My God, remember Tobiah and Sanballat, according to these their works, and the prophetess Noadiah, and the rest of the prophets who would have made me afraid. Well, the word is out. The wall around the city is rebuilt, with only the setting of the gates remaining to be done. Sanballat sends an open letter to Nehemiah after Nehemiah refuses full request for a meeting about this Jerusalem rebuilding project. Now keep in mind, Nehemiah is the governor over the region. The letter accuses Nehemiah of preparing to rebel against the king of Persia. But Nehemiah didn't fall for that ploy. Then Shemaiah, probably a priest, encouraged Nehemiah through a prophecy, he says, to hide out in the temple for fear of life. Look at Nehemiah's reply to him in verse 11. He says, And I said, Should such a man as I flee? And who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Nehemiah deducts that Sanballat had put Shemaiah up to that also, and the prophecy was fake, we see in verse 12. Sanballat and his evil buddies conjecture, If we scare him, he'll stop and run. He'll abandon his principles. But he didn't kept working until the wall was complete. In chapter 6, verses 15 through 19, the wall is completed. Verse 15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it, and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes. For they perceived that this work was done by our God. And in those days the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came to them. For many in Judah were pledged to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Era, and his son Jehohanan had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. Also they reported his good deeds before me, and reported my words to him. Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. Well, despite Satan's use of evil people to stop the work and kill the beginning of the Messianic countdown, the wall is rebuilt in just 52 days. Remarkable. And all the neighbors knew this. They knew that God had empowered them. Look at the article entitled, The Messianic Countdown from the Introduction to Nehemiah. You'll see what I mean. Nehemiah chapters 1 through 4 is where you'll find that introduction. Now, let me remind you. This wasn't just about building a wall. Notice verse 16. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it, and all our nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. This rebuilding project was a testimony to God before the heathen. In chapter 7, a lot of names, and we see the list of who's going back. Verse 1. 
Then it was when the wall was built and I hung the doors, when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, that I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanani, and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. And I said to them, Do not let the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot, and while they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors, and appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, one at his watch station, and another in front of his own house. Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few, and the houses were not rebuilt. Then my God put it into my heart to gather the nobles, the rulers, and the people, that they might be registered by genealogy. And I found a register of the genealogy of those who had come up in the first return, and found written in it. These are the people of the province who came back from the captivity, of those who had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon had carried away, and who returned to Jerusalem and Judah, everyone to his city. Those who came with Zerubbabel were Jeshua, Nehemiah, Azariah, Ramiah, Nehemiah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mispereth, Bigvi, Nehem, and Baanah. The number of the men of the people of Israel, the sons of Parash, 2,172. The sons of Shephatiah, 372. The sons of Era, 652. The sons of Pahath-Moab, of the sons of Jeshua and Joab, 2,818. The sons of Elam, 1,254. The sons of Zatu, 845. The sons of Zakai, 760. The sons of Benui, 648. The sons of Bebai, 628. The sons of Osgod, 2,322. The sons of Adonikam, 667. The sons of Bigvi, 2,067. The sons of Aden, 655. The sons of Ader of Hezekiah, 98. The sons of Hashem, 328. The sons of Bezai, 324. The sons of Haraf, 112. The sons of Gibeon, 95. The men of Bethlehem and Notapha, 188. The men of Anathoth, 128. The men of Beth, Oz, Maveth, 42. The men of Kirjath-Jerim, Kephira, and Be'eroth, 743. The men of Ramah and Geba, 621. The men of Mikmas, 122. The men of Bethel and Ai, 123. The men of the other Nebo, 52. The sons of the other Elam, 1,254. The sons of Haram, 320. The sons of Jericho, 345. The sons of Lod, Hadad, and Ono, 721. The sons of Sinna'ah, 3,930. The priests, the sons of Judea, of the house of Jeshua, 973. The sons of Amor, 1,052. The sons of Pasher, 1,247. The sons of Haram, 1,017. The Levites, the sons of Jeshua, of Kadmiel, and of the sons of Hadiva, 74. The singers, the sons of Asaph, 148. The gatekeepers, the sons of Shalom, the sons of Ader, the sons of Talmud, the sons of Achim, the sons of Hatita, the sons of Shobai, 138. The Nethanim, the sons of Ziha, the sons of Hasufa, the sons of Tebaoth, the sons of Kiros, the sons of Siah, the sons of Padan, the sons of Labana, the sons of Hagabah, the sons of Salmai, the sons of Hanan, the sons of Gedel, the sons of Gahar, 
the sons of Rea, the sons of Reason, the sons of Nakoda, the sons of Gazam, the sons of Uzam, the sons of Pasia, the sons of Besai, the sons of Besai, the sons of Meanim, the sons of Nephashasim, the sons of Bakbuk, the sons of Hakufa, the sons of Harhur, the sons of Bozlif, the sons of Mahida, the sons of Harsha, the sons of Barkas, the sons of Sisera, the sons of Tama, the sons of Neziah, and the sons of Hatipha, the sons of Solomon's servants, the sons of Sotai, the sons of Sophereth, the sons of Parida, the sons of Ja'alah, the sons of Darkan, the sons of Gidel, the sons of Shephatiah, the sons of Hatel, the sons of Pachareth, of Zebaim, and the sons of Ammon. All the Nethanim and the sons of Solomon's servants were three hundred and ninety-two. And these were the ones who came up from Tel Milah, Tel Harsha, Kerub, Adon, and Emer, but they could not identify their father's house, nor their lineage, whether they were of Israel. The sons of Deleah, the sons of Tobiah, the sons of Nakoda, six hundred and forty-two. And of the priests, the sons of Habeah, the sons of Kaz, the sons of Barzillai, who took a wife of the daughters of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and was called by their name. These sought their listing among those who were registered by genealogy, but it was not found. Therefore they were excluded from the priesthood as defiled. And the governor said to them that they should not eat of the most holy things till the priest could consult with the Urim and Thummim. Altogether the whole assembly was 42,360. Besides their male and female servants, of whom there were 7,337, and they had 245 men and women singers. Their horses were 736, their mules 245. Their camels 435, and donkeys 6,720. And some of the heads of the fathers' houses gave to the work. The governor gave to the treasury 1,000 gold drachmas, fifty basins, and five hundred and thirty priestly garments. Some of the heads of the fathers' houses gave to the treasury of the work twenty thousand gold drachmas, and two thousand two hundred silver minas. And that which the rest of the people gave was twenty thousand gold drachmas, two thousand silver minas, and seventy-seven priestly garments. So the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people, the Nethanim, and all Israel dwelt in their cities. When the seventh month came, the children of Israel were in their cities. Well, Nehemiah's now finished rebuilding the city, and it needs populating. He locates the genealogical records naming the previous inhabitants of the city and the people, their descendants, and they start rolling into that big old vacant city. They bring gifts with them. Here's the plan in verse 6. These are the people of the province who came back from the captivity of those who had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away, and who returned to Jerusalem and Judah, every one to his city. The remainder of this chapter contains the same list of inhabitants that we saw in Ezra chapter 2. Now there's an issue with some so-called priests in verses 63 through 65. Ezra also mentions it in Ezra chapter 2, verses 61 to 63. The ancestors of these men had married into the priesthood. That's unacceptable. It's got to be in the genes. No more priesthood for these guys unless it can be proved that they themselves are in the bloodline of priestly families. They might be able to resume when they get an official word from a high priest with the Urim and Thummim. Our first reference to the Urim and Thummim is found in Exodus chapter 28 verse 30 when it says, And ye shall put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. 
So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. Now, we're not sure what these two items look like, and they're only mentioned seven times in the Old Testament, but they obviously had much to do with knowing God's will. These items were placed into the breastplate of the high priest, beginning with Aaron. Finally repopulated, verse 73 says, So the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people, the Nethanim, and all Israel dwelt in their cities. When the seventh month came, the children of Israel were in their cities. How many? Well, verse 68 tells us that there were 42,360 who returned at this time. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walton. 